You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's We Hold These Truths Speaks Out, we'll be discussing the latest article written by our own Chuck Carlson entitled, The Unholy Trinity for War, the Federal Reserve, Christian Zionists, and the current White House. Uh, Chuck, why did you pick that title? Well, we picked the title because We've long understood what the Federal Reserve did, at least what we thought it did. We're well aware that the White House is dependent upon the Christian Zionist vote and that anything that the White House does, whatever they favor, they're going to have to find a way to get the Christian Zionist vote to support them. That did show up in the president's State of the Union talk. So what we are concluding here is that the Federal Reserve has for the last 107 years, I believe, since it was created, basically funded and fostered every war that we've been in. We haven't been in any wars that the Federal Reserve has not provided the money for. And we've concluded from this that the Federal Reserve's purpose from the very beginning of it uh, in 1913 has been to help those who profit from war to make war and, of course, to pay for war. In the process of this, our country has ended up being approximately $22 trillion in debt that they actually do owe to real people on government securities and bonds. This is a huge change from the debts of our government in 1913. The number would have been in the millions back then. So this is why we decided to do this little story focusing on Uh, the idea that the Federal Reserve is dependent upon the White House to promote it, and the White House is dependent upon Christian Zionists to keep the White House current attendee in office. So, Chuck, how does the Federal Reserve finance these wars? What's the process? Let me first kind of give you just a little background about how I got involved in this and what my own background in it is. So you'll understand my expertise or lack of expertise in answering that question. Back in the mid-1960s, I found myself back on Wall Street in a school run by a major brokerage firm to train young guys like me, just out of the Army, how to become a stockbroker. And we had a professor who taught us named Professor Phil. He had ditched academia up at the University of Vermont and come down to Wall Street to get a big paying job because he had a young wife. So Dr. Phil was amored with a thing called the Federal Reserve that had its office right around the corner from our Wall Street office. It was at 33 Liberty, and a huge big lion looks down on the street. And Professor Phil told us that in our careers, if we could learn to figure out what the Federal Reserve was doing and follow their example, we would always be wealthy. This is what he taught to us. He was amored with the Federal Reserve. About 
30 years later, I'll skip a lot of ground in between, I found myself sitting at my own kitchen table with a man named Eustace Mullins. And Eustace was uh, about 20 years older than me, and it turned out he'd been in Wall Street not very much ahead of me. Only he had been there visiting a poet named Ezra Pound, who was in a mental institution, committed there for life as a form of imprisonment. Without going into what Pounds was all about, Mr. Pound was a poet, and he had made studies of this Federal Reserve system that had been invented decades before. And he talked Eustace Mullins into getting interested in it, and Mullins ended up committing most of his life to studying the Federal Reserve. He was a writer, he was a poet, but his area of interest was this Federal Reserve. And he published a book, among other books, called The Secrets of the Federal Reserve, which I have in front of me and which I cherish and wouldn't part with. And so from this, I got two different stories about the Federal Reserve. Professor Phil said it was wonderful and it would make me rich if I would just follow their example. Uh, Eustace Mullen said it was an instrument of war. It was put there for purposes of making the bankers rich. Well, it bled the country dry and would eventually destroy our whole society and our country. This was the different stories I got that have led to my interest. Now, Craig, you asked me a, a real simple question. Why don't you repeat it? Okay, Chuck. So how does the Federal Reserve provide the money for wars? All right. It is really very simple, but it's difficult to understand because it's cleverly hidden and has become more cleverly hidden through the ages. Uh, the Federal Reserve System was a little more out in the open when it started. Uh, what happened was in 1913, a group of agents basically for the uh, Bank of England or uh, close to corporations that had offices and were part of the English Federal Reserve System, came to Washington, held a conference, and after, this was a, a few years after one of the big depressions or panics that took place in those years of our country, and they convinced the Congress that they would prevent this kind of actions happening again if they were given a franchise to be the bank for the United States government. So this is what the Federal Reserve ended up being. It ended up being the chartered bank for the U.S. government. In this respect, the Federal Reserve does a lot of things. But the principal thing that we are interested in tonight that they do is they market the bonds. They are the public shill for the sale of amounts of government treasury bonds, bills, and notes that must be sold in order to finance anything significant such as a war. And by far the biggest expenditure that's made every single year in our country, uh, constituting some 40% of all the cost of government, is war. The Federal Reserve makes war possible by seeing to it that investors buy government bonds that finance the war. The way this program turns from a little huckstering, which we might think of it as huckstering a few bonds, to a con job, is that the Federal Reserve is licensed as a bank, the official bank for the United States government, and therefore it does 
what banks do. It creates money out of thin air by making loans, or in the case of the Fed, it creates money by buying bonds from the United States Treasury. I'm going to give you an example, Craig. Let's suppose that you want to put a new roof on your house or buy a, a Mercedes, and you uh, decided to finance it, and you walk down to your bank, and you said to them, uh, uh, here is my uh, list of assets, my house, my car, my uh, bank account, this and that. And as you can see, I'm credit worthy. I want to borrow 50000 for a Mercedes or for a new roof. The first question that your bank would ask you is, well, let's see the other side of your balance sheet. Could we see your liabilities? In other words, nice that you own a home, nice that you have a car, nice that you have a bank account and a brokerage account, and even a handful of gold coins, but who do you owe? Show us the liability side of your banking sheet. And if you said to them, well, no, thank you, I don't disclose that, they would say, well, come back when you will. And the deal would be not closed. The way that the Federal Reserve works is the Federal Reserve does not disclose the liability side of their balance sheet. In other words, if they want to buy bonds from the United States Treasury, they can basically write a check on their own bank and give it to the Treasury. And as long as the Treasury doesn't cash the check, there is no item set up on it as a liability. This is why today, if you go to the official website of the Federal Reserve and you ask them to show you the liabilities of the Federal Reserve System, the answer comes back, it crosses out Federal Reserve System and it crosses out liabilities or it crosses out what it wants to and it sends you back a message that tells you the total uh, liabilities of uh, all the banks in America, except the Federal Reserve Bank. In other words, it doesn't disclose to you that the Federal Reserve Bank has written a check to the Treasury for, in this case, $22 trillion, and the Treasury simply has accommodated the Fed by not cashing the check. Now, what's the purpose of all this? Well, the purpose is that the Federal Reserve is able to manipulate the price of government bonds. If they come to market with a billion dollar sale or a half billion dollar sale of treasury bonds and bills, and there aren't enough buyers to soak all of it up, the price would normally drop in the marketplace. The Fed can prevent that by simply stepping in and buying the surplus that they have offered in the same auction. And they do it by uh, writing a check on themselves and paying it to the Treasury. So this is the mechanism by which they manipulate the bond market up. In this way, the Federal Reserve has acquired currently $4 trillion after selling off $1.5 trillion of their portfolio of bonds into the market. Does that answer your question of how the Federal Reserve creates money? Well, it is confusing, and I think it's confusing on purpose because the average person on the street, they don't understand this. If the government would come and say, okay, we want to have a war in Afghanistan, uh, we need each household to uh, cough up an extra $30,000 so we can go make these weapons and go over and attack Afghanistan, the public would be outraged. This wouldn't happen. But by sneaking it through 
this mechanism, which is called Federal Reserve, which is neither federal nor there's a reserve. I love the comment when they say it's about as federal as Federal Express. It is a cabal of banking concerns. And so as this money gets put into the system, I liken it to having a nice stew, a beautiful soup and a stew meal ready for you to eat. And then the first people that get the stew, it's nice and brothy and it's really good. And then all of a sudden, some more people come in and you say, oh, we've got 10 more people for dinner. Well, you just keep, you just add water to the soup and it gets a little thinner and a little thinner. Then more people come and they add more water to the soup. The ones who get the soup first have the rich soup. The ones who get it last have it. It's just, it's just a watered down broth. And that's where this whole inflation thing comes in is people say, oh, they just take inflation as this is part of life. I was watching an old 1960s Dennis the Menace show and Mr. Wilson invited Dennis and all the kids to go to a soda fountain and he, he fed them all hot dogs and, and uh, banana splits and everything else like that. And it was about 20 some odd kids and the, the bill came to $5. And he was he was outraged that this bill was five dollars. When I was a kid, we had a five cent candy bar, and now that five cent candy bar costs a dollar twenty five. What happened? Well, what happened is that the broth got weakened and weakened. More more water got poured into it, and so our dollars became worth less to the point where they become worthless as this thing goes on. So. Yeah, the whole idea of the deception, I think, is what's so immoral and unethical about this whole central bank system. I'm on the Federal Reserve site right now. It sounds so benign. You ask the simple question, what is the purpose of the Federal Reserve System? And it says the Federal Reserve System, often referred to as the Federal Reserve or simply the Fed, is the central bank of the United States. It was created by Congress. Now, here it comes to provide the nation with a safer more flexible and more stable monetary and financial system. So tell me how it's more stable monetary system when my nickel candy bar costs a dollar twenty-five now. It's stolen the money from the people and it's gone to this war machine in which it eventually cycles back to the big corporations and so forth. So again, Chuck, how this creates the war, it doesn't create the war by just causing the war, but it finances the war, which allows the war to happen. Is that correct? That's right. And people need to realize that the Federal Reserve people are extremely carefully trained. And it's very difficult to find this kind of data. In fact, you really can't find anything today that tells you what the Federal Reserve's liabilities are. In other words, remember my analogy of of using the used car or new car? Uh, the Federal Reserve will tell you exactly, and they have a chart that shows you exactly how many dollars worth of Federal Reserve of the United States government bonds they own. That figure, $21.5 trillion, comes right off their website. But when you put in the request asking how much money does the Federal Reserve owe, you get a diversion. It takes you to an entirely different place and it gives you an entirely different answer that has nothing to do with the Federal Reserve. What's happening here is just as you say, the destructiveness of this to us is that you cannot fight all of these wars that basically destroy, 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 
at a very high cost without eventually destroying the underlying money, which we all depend upon. And Eustace Mullen spent his life trying to ferret out these relationships. He did a great deal of work in proving and to a reasonable degree showing that the Federal Reserve was part of the English banking system imported here to help to take back over the country that Great Britain lost during the American Revolution. They didn't do it with guns. They did it with pencils and pens and and with, with financing. And, of course, we are the victims. We're constantly deluded. Again, the importance of the propaganda side of this is they need a president who will support the notion of war. And our own president, in his speech last night, laid out two or three different war potentials that we had. The loudest one, the strongest one, the one that he almost demanded war against, was Iran. Yes. So here we have a president that's willing to demand war. Probably somebody whispers in his ear and says, if you want the economy to prosper and people to love you, you're going to need a war next year. But you don't hear this kind of talk coming out of the Fed. They are very structured and talk about preserving what's ours and making our economy grow and and being helpful. But following this, we must look at where our president gets his support and who we need to influence in order to change that. And of course, we've said from our very founding that what we need to do is we need to influence Christian churches to take a godly position on issues like war. Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, We need to act like we believe that. And as Christian people, we need to actually stand up and uh, let the president know that if he starts another war, he's going to be impeached. This is the language that will help. Uh, It's not the language that will get rid of the Fed, but it is a start. One of the big lies that the Fed tells, and this is why it's so hard for us to get accurate information, by the way, the Federal Reserve openly states in its own literature today, it didn't say this 30 years ago when I first saw it, that the Federal Reserve is not owned by anyone. That's a direct quote, not owned by anyone. In other words, we're supposed to believe that this huge banking syndicate that's able to buy $4 trillion of our treasury bonds, it doesn't have any owners, that there are no, there's no one controlling it. The people that run it are the people that President Trump and other presidents before and after him appoint, and that they run this massive organization, and it isn't owned by anybody. It's described as a government organization that's independent. So independent government organization, what in the world is that? This is one of the descriptions that the Fed makes for itself. Mm -hmm. Well, Chuck, why do you think it is that no one, at least in in modern times, wants to challenge and expose the Federal Reserve that has any power? Trump won't even reveal his balance sheet as who he owes money to. And, of course, muscle millions and millions, if not billions, to all these developers of all these casinos and so forth and so on that he chooses not to reveal who he owes money to. But why do you think it is that no one in power speaks out? I think of Ron Paul, and all he wanted to do was audit it. And he, you know, he got lambasted for that. Right. Why do you think that is? I, I think it's our fault. We have not been able to convince 
the so-called Zionist Christian, Christian Zionists, uh, and even more important, we've not been able to convince the Christians who are not Zionists that they need to stand up and demand that we have a godly form of government and that we follow Jesus' admonitions as peacemakers. And when we managed to get the Lutherans and Presbyterians and Episcopalians and Catholics to stand up and say this, and by the way, uh, they are really our hope. Uh, most of us have come out of Christian Zionist-influenced churches where we've actually been exposed to this Christian Zionist mythology. And we realize that the mainline Christianity does not have to put that behind them. So we simply need a lot more influence in churches, and we need to have churches stand up for what is godly and right. And of course, that's why in our papers and work, uh, we do tie together the influence of Christian Zionists with the White House, with the Federal Reserve. Check, the Bible is full of the requirements to have a sound monetary policy. It's clear that the borrower servant to the lender, there's scripture after scripture about debt and usury in, in all those things. So it's not a problem to find why Christians should support a sound monetary policy. The problem is, is to let Christians know that we don't have one and what the problem is on that because the propaganda is so strong. You mentioned uh, Eustace Mullins being your wake-up call as to the truth of the Fed. For me, it was a friend of mine that gave me G. Wood Griffin's The Creature from Jekyll Island, which takes the, the history of central banks all through the United States and what the Fed says, oh, we're there to stabilize things. When you look back, and it's actually the Fed that caused the boom-bust cycles and, and so forth and so on. And in Geo Griffin's book, he makes that very clear, and it's, it's very good. But there's many good writers out there exposing the Fed, but the problem is there's no one in Washington who's willing to take the challenge of exposing this criminal syndicate. And if you remember the last president who even tried to print a U.S. Treasury note, I've got some of those $5 notes, and it says Treasury note on it instead of Federal Reserve note, it was uh, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, and we all know what happened to him. So the powers behind this evil cabal are absolutely immense powers. That yes, they are. And Craig, sometimes people ask me, well, aren't you jumping to conclusions? Aren't you concluding what the Federal Reserve is doing based upon your own opinion? My answer to that is no. I am simply taking what the Federal Reserve has accomplished, Yes. and I am assuming that they meant for it to happen or they would not have supported it and caused it to happen. So when you say the Federal Reserve is the instrument of war, what we have to prove this is about 25 wars, not all the little ones. And uh, they've become so frequent that we now can't even separate our wars. And we have the, what, 19-year-old uh, Afghanistan war yes. that we're just thinking about running out of, getting out of now which we don't even really know why we're in there. And already we can tell from our president that he's planning the next one, probably because someone's told him he's going to need it in order to stay in office, in order to get reelected, in order to prosper. He's then blaming it all on anti-Semites and others, haters of Jews and Israel, because the way he keeps his following together is he lets them know that he loves Israel. Mm -hmm. And this is what the glue that holds Christian Zionists together 
is the love of Israel and the treatment of Israel as being a near Jesus in their thoughts. Right. It's very hard to separate the cause and the effect in the, the supporting Israel and the wars. We link them together. We see the link. But I would say most Christians don't see the link. They think we're fighting Arabs because they attacked us on 9-11 or there's some other boogeyman out there that want to destroy us and that uh, we're trying to make the world safe for democracy and they don't like our quality of life and they're jealous of us or whatever. They make up these tales. But in the president's state of the union, it was really clear, like you said, Chuck, of what the next thing is on the agenda. And I'd like to read a little piece of that. He said, one of the most complex set of challenges we face and have for many years is in the Middle East. Our approach is based on principled realism, not discredited theories that have failed for decades to yield progress. For this reason, my administration recognized the true capital of Israel and proudly opened the American embassy in Jerusalem. Our brave troops have now been fighting in the Middle East for almost 19 years. In Afghanistan and Iraq, nearly 7,000 American heroes have given their lives. More than 52,000 Americans have been badly wounded. We have spent more, here it comes, more than $7 trillion in fighting wars in the Middle East. Above all, friend and foe alike must never doubt this nation's power and will to defend our people. 18 years ago, violent terrorists attacked the USS Cole, and last month, American forces killed one of the leaders of that attack. Of course, he didn't mention anything about the uh, you know, state of Israel attacking uh, the USS Liberty in 67. But anyway, I digress. My administration has acted decisively to confront the world's leading state sponsor of terror, the radical regime in Iran. It is a radical regime. They do bad, bad things. To ensure this corrupt dictator never acquires nuclear weapons, I withdrew the United States from the disastrous Iran nuclear deal. And last fall, we put in place the toughest sanctions ever imposed by us on a country. We will not avert our eyes from a regime that chants death to America and threatens genocide against the Jewish people. Applause, applause, applause. We must never ignore the vile poison of anti-Semitism or those who spread its venomous creed. With one voice, we must confront this hatred anywhere and everywhere it occurs. Clap, 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 clap. So that's what he said in his address. And no one ever talks about why Iran hates Israel. Why are they upset with this Zionist regime that came in and took over Arab, Arab land is committing genocide against Arabs? No one ever talks about that. They Somehow they think that this is an anti-Semitic attack by Iranians. I think if China had come in and taken over a country in the Arab nations, I think you'd, you'd have the same response. It has nothing to do with Jewishness. It has everything to do with stealing property that belonged to Arabs. And then all this ties together, and Chuck pulled this together. Where do we go from here? Well, we just need to get a lot more traction and a lot better understanding. And we ask everybody to do their share and talk to people that are church people about standing up and taking a position for peace. And that's really where we need to start with our church people. We've learned this by demonstrating. We've learned this by going to churches. And this is where the change is going to come from because 
God is in this too. And we need to believe and we need to act like God is is a party to this and knows right from wrong and, and is going to act accordingly. So we'll pray that that does happen and we'll find some support. Well, thank you, Chuck, for your, for your article, because it definitely gets the people's thoughts going. There are so many sources out there. People truly want to understand what the Federal Reserve is about, how it's affecting their lives day to day. The sad note is my nephew is taking an economics course at the local college. And of course, there's nothing about this in the college curriculum about the, the roots of the Federal Reserve System. It gives the plain vanilla thing just right off the Federal Reserve site. This is just a wonderful institution that's good for our country, that's good for the people, that's good for everybody. Why would you want to be uh, opposed to this or question it or criticize it? And so that whole thing, the good news is with the Internet exposing more people to the, the truth that's out there, I think more people are becoming aware that this is not a good thing. But Again, we, at, we hold these truths, are trying to make that connection between Jesus calling us for peace and how does the peace get destroyed by the banking problem. So thank you so much, Chuck, for putting this all together. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.